You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. When they Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 20. Today's reading is from Zechariah chapter 8, verses 19 through 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth, shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore love truth and peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Peoples shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord, and to seek the Lord of hosts. I am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So today we have a reading from the Old Testament, and we know that the church is very deliberate regarding the cycle of readings in our lectionary. And I would assume that the primary reason for this passage being read this week is because of its reference to fasting and the fact that we are currently preparing for the start of Great Lent. Am am I correct in that, Father? Yeah, so there's a couple of things going on. First, as you said, the cycle of readings is definitely deliberate. And as we're preparing for Great Lent, the readings reflect that. And so here you have not just a reading about fasting, which is, of course, something we'll be doing during Lent, but specifically you hear about how the fasts are to be seasons of joy and gladness. And this certainly fits with what Jesus said about when we fast, how we should not look famished or out of the ordinary, so as to draw attention to ourselves. As Zachariah says here, our fasting should be joyous. But also what you have going on here, specifically with the Old Testament reading, is what we see in the Orthodox Church throughout the season of Lent. Namely, uh, during this season, we sort of revert back to more ancient practices and customs. The most obvious example is in the liturgy we use. During most of the year, we use on Sundays the Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. That liturgy is a newer, more recent liturgy, although by modern standards, of course, it's still ancient, Uh, one that is newer than the Divine Liturgy of St. Basil the Great. The Divine Liturgy of St. Basil the Great was used earlier in the history of the Church on every Sunday in the Roman Empire. It eventually was replaced by the somewhat shorter Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, the one most Orthodox Christians use, again, virtually every Sunday. A lot of people think we use St. Basil's Liturgy during Lent because it's longer, but that's not the case. We actually use it because it's more ancient, and during Lent, as I said, we tend to preserve or revert back to more ancient customs and traditions. Another example of that is the pre-sanctified liturgy. That liturgy used to be served on any given Wednesday or Friday in the early church. Now, when we serve a liturgy on Wednesday or Friday outside of Lent, it's the regular divine liturgy. But again, during Lent, we revert back to this more ancient custom. I bring all this up to mention that during Lent we'll hear a lot of readings from the Old Testament, and the reason we do that is because we're going back to the original. Most people don't realize, but the early fathers of the church, when they referred to Scripture, were referring only to what we now call the Old Testament. This is just a side note, of course, but I think it's a good lesson to learn and, and something to point out. 
That's very interesting, Father. Thank you for that. So getting back to the specific passage for today, I've heard you discuss fasting many times in the past, and primarily in sermons, but I think at this time of the year it bears some further attention. And we all need reminders, and I know that I certainly do. So would you take some time, Father, to discuss the purpose of fasting? Of course. When we speak about the purpose of fasting, we really should speak more about the purposes, the plural, of fasting. And before I even get to that, I think it's important to note what fasting is not. Specifically, fasting is not about suffering, self-harm, or punishing oneself. Unfortunately, this type of mindset of fasting as a sort of suffering or punishment has become common in some circles. This is certainly not the biblical notion of fasting. As we already mentioned, as we heard from the reading today from Zechariah, fasting is to be a period of joy and gladness. So we have to dismiss any sort of notion that fasting is about punishment or suffering. In fact, one of the hymns that we sing at Forgiveness Vespers this coming Sunday, as we make our final preparation for Great Lent, we hear, Let us begin the season of fasting with rejoicing. I really appreciate this perspective about fasting not being something negative, because I do think that there can be negative connotations to it in, in some Christian circles. So thank you for pointing that out, that, uh, that fasting is not about suffering. So what is fasting about? What fasting is about in one respect is learning about self-discipline and self-control. Eating is obviously something very basic to human existence. Without eating, we can't survive. At the same time, there is a tendency, and this is certainly most clearly seen in the modern Western world where most of us have an abundance of food, there's a tendency for us to eat beyond what is biologically needed. So we may eat for joy and pleasure. Uh, that's one thing that we should be looking to get under control with fasting. Another thing that we should work on is the fact that we often eat mindlessly. That is to say, we just sort of put things into our mouths without giving it much consideration. We're not mindful or attentive to what we're doing. And since eating is something we have to do regularly, it can become a bad habit and impact the rest of our lives if we aren't purposeful in this area. So in fasting, the church is calling us to be deliberate and purposeful in what we're doing, to pay attention, to not just go through life mindlessly. And I have to say, as I've gotten older, this is probably the most difficult aspect of fasting for me, especially as practice in the modern Orthodox Church in terms of limiting the types of food one eats. It's not convenient to abstain from meat and dairy, especially when you don't do that all the time. But again, it's important for us at times to take a step back and be more deliberate. And I think looking at the biological world, you can see that human beings who have been made in the image of God are the only species that can take a step back and examine life in this way, to pay attention to what we're eating. We're the only species who could be physically hungry and be presented with food and say, no, I'm going to wait. We are the only species who can really learn to control our biological impulses. Obviously, certain animals can be trained to some extent, but as a whole, human beings are unique in their ability to rationally and purposefully override our desires. And in the end, that's one of the things that should make fasting joyful. Instead of being enslaved to our biological impulses, we're reminded that we can control them. We can master them. We don't have to give in to every impulse and desire. We can say no. We can rationally choose a different way. 
I really appreciate that, Father. It makes a lot of sense in terms of what we've discussed before about being made in the image of God, our ability to overcome our biological impulses in a way no other species can do, at least to our knowledge. I know you've said in the past there are other reasons to fast, and you've mentioned this one, learning self-control, but why else do we fast? Yeah, there's another important reason. I would argue the most important reason we fast. And I say it's so important because the Bible often has to correct human behavior. In this case, when we fast and when we view it primarily as self-discipline, there can be a tendency for us to become prideful in our fasting. If we followed the rules of the fast well, we can start to become self-righteous, and so the Bible addresses that. Yes, this is what I was getting at, as I remember you teaching this before in sermons, and I believed you referred to the book of Isaiah. That's correct, Isaiah 58 to be exact. It's a passage all of us should read before we enter a fasting season. To sum it up, what happens in Isaiah 58 is that God, through the prophet, mocks his people who think that because they're fasting, God will hear them and do their will. In other words, they think, as we all tend to think, that if we have done a few good works or things that we think check off some boxes of what God wants us to do, that we can manipulate God or bend his will to ours. Now, obviously, we would never say it in those terms, but if you look at the way we think about it, that's exactly what we try to do. And so in Isaiah 58, God is essentially telling the people that he doesn't need their fasting. Their fasting doesn't add anything to him. He doesn't need them to fast on his behalf. But what's so powerful about this passage is that God tells them what they should do during the fast. And I'll quote that here. Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually. So, Father, please sum up this passage for us. What does it mean? What it means in summation is that the purpose of fasting is not to make yourself hungry. Again, it's not about suffering but rather to relieve the hunger in others. And that's why the ancient tradition of the church is that during the fasting seasons you were to skip meals until sundown, and the meals you normally would have, would have had before then, instead you gave to those meals to the poor and needy. Furthermore, you can see coming out in this passage what we now refer to as social justice. Social justice was actually something at the very heart of the Old Testament, and we see that here. Part of fasting was to get rid of oppression, to live as God intended in the beginning, as we see in the book of Genesis, when he continuously told us to be fruitful and multiply and to spread out among the earth. In other words, spread out and live at peace with one another. Don't establish cities and kingdoms in order to rule over others. So the purpose of fasting, going back to how we began this podcast, is to call us back to the beginning to remind us that this world of power and domination and oppression is something that we humans did that was not according to God's plan. 
And one way to get back to that is for those of us who have plenty, who have an abundance, to forego some of that abundance and instead to share with those in need. That's a very helpful instruction as we prepare for Lent, Father. Thank you. In today's episode, we examine the various purposes of fasting, both what it is and what it is not. Father Aaron stressed that fasting is not a time to draw attention to ourselves or to view our fast as a time of suffering or punishment. Instead, we should enter into periods of fasting with joy and gladness. It should be a time to learn about self-discipline and self-control, to be mindful about what we put in our mouths, to pay attention and be more deliberate in our actions. As we were created in the image of God, we have the unique ability to free ourselves from carnal desires. We can choose a different path. Finally, fasting offers us an opportunity to relieve the hunger of others. We were reminded that in the ancient church, it was commonplace to skip meals until sundown, offering the meals we could have eaten during the day to the poor. As we enter Great Lent and return to the ancient practices of our faith, let us be mindful of those in our communities and throughout the world with whom we can share our love, compassion, and mercy. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. O our God and our hope, glory to thee.